Hi, this is Stephanie Hansen, and you are listening to The Makers of Minnesota, where we talk to cool people doing cool things in the state of Minnesota. And I am here with Alex Zweber from Sherub Shrubs. Hello. Hi. How are you doing, Alex? Good. I am crazy about shrubs. I'm trying to think of when I first came across them. I really like um, vodka and gin, and I don't like a super sweet drink necessarily, but I do like some kind of flavoring. And I think shrubs just are the fantastic mix for me of not too sweet, not too sour, but just sort of complexity that gives you a quick cocktail. Exactly. It's kind of like that little bit of a sweet and sour where you get the fruit, you get the vinegar, and you get just a little bit of acid to kind of tone everything down. And it's just so easy to either put it in beer or sparkling wine or uh, cocktails. I haven't thought about putting it in beer. Now, okay, let's not get ahead of ourselves here. How did you discover your first shrub? Like what, do you remember the first one you had? I do. Um, It was actually a a liquor rep from my work had come in and was uh, talking to me about different shrubs and had given me the uh, Shrub & Co. shrubs out of California. Yeah, I've had those. Yep. And so I had bought the whole line and while I liked them, I felt that um, pureeing and straining the fruit back into the product just yielded texturally a kind of a weird shrub as well as they weren't as fruit uh, heavy as I wanted them to be. Um, so then he challenged me to make a better shrub and <laughs> there you he, go. Here we are. So you, um, in your day job, you work at Certix. Is that okay to say? Yep. Certix Flights. And they're obviously known for being very Minnesota friendly forward with lots of local products. Yes. Um, when you started, were there other shrubs in the market or why did you feel like you needed to be the one? Um, when I first got the idea, um, at the time, I believe there was only Shrub & Co. And I think Heath's Glen possibly was making a few to go with the jams. Um, but in the process of the two years of uh, getting launched, um, Phil over at Kelvitz and Scott at Twisted Shrub had also... Um, launched in the interim and I just figured you know what let's just go for it and yeah you know it's I, I think the the more the merrier because it really brings an attention to what the product is so then people are more understanding of it and don't just think it's kind of a, a one-off fad sort so to speak so let's talk about what it is because shrubs have literally been around for like a thousand years yes um, um so they, how do you make it Um, I do it in a very traditional way. Um, So what I do is I take fruit and I take sugar. Um, That'll just sit and macerate for a period of time. I will then strain off that liquid from the solid and add my uh, my acid component, which is the vinegar. And then, do you use different vinegars, or is it always like an apple cider vinegar? Um, or? I do use uh, different vinegars dependent on the flavor. Generally speaking, um, if you're doing a berry, you do want a very bright, sharp vinegar. So white tends to work the best, um, especially with the strawberry shrub uh, that we make. The uh, it just hits so hard, and it's almost like a like when you taste it, it's like having a jar of jam. Yeah. And you have um, three flavors right now. Strawberry, apple, rosemary, is it? And then what's the third one? Uh, Asian pear, ginger, cinnamon, as well as our fourth limited edition flavor, which is uh, plum with wildflower honey. I had that one this weekend and I had a lot of it. Um, We used it with uh, gin and we just used that with sparkling water and the gin. And then we also used it with Prosecco. Yes. And just made kind of a bubbly, summery drink that yeah. was really nice. And that is going to be the the highest vinegar content out of the four. 
So when it works really well with things like a Prosecco because it's a little sweeter and it can kind of tone down the sweetness but still provide almost a very complex cocktail where all you did is add two ingredients. And I think that's why I like it so much. I just... You know, I love a craft cocktail, but most of us aren't like at our houses, you know, with the shakers and the mixers and all the stuff, especially I'm in a cabin where I have a little teeny tiny liquor cabinet to get all my stuff in there. Um, What I was interested in when I looked at your website is you're talking about shrubs in other ways outside of just alcoholic cocktails. Yes. How else would you like to see people use shrubs? Honestly, they are uh, a great resource in the kitchen because you have already that that acid vinegar component. So using them as a vinaigrette, using either a little grapeseed, olive, or um, avocado oil. And then if you choose to add an emulsifier like a, like a mustard or something, you can. Otherwise, just the two together make a quick salad dressing. Yeah. I've used them a lot as well in... Um, either like gastriques or with um, glazes because you have the sugar and the vinegar. So the How do you sh- make a gastrique? So for me, what I just like to do is I will just take a little bit of my shrub and I will just take a little bit of my spices and sometimes a tiny bit of butter and I will just reduce that down and just keep kind of emulsifying that together and just making a really nice tight pan sauce. Yum. I never even thought about that. And I just, that works amazing on different cuts of meat. Or if you do want, you know, some sort of glaze on a vegetable uh, dish, especially like broccolini or um, cauliflower, things that have a little bit more meat and substance behind it, it works amazingly well. Yum, that sounds delicious. All right. So tell me about, you decide that you're going to make these shrubs and do you remember like how much money did you start your business with do you remember like oh i need to have this much or did you just bootstrap it as you went bootstrapped it as i went um just every every step i kind of saw what i needed to uh bring to the table as far as cash wise and uh time wise and just kind of kept taking the steps until uh i think it was february 18th of 2017 um we bottled until about six in the morning. And that was your first official batch. Yep. Which one did you start with? All of them. Okay. I did them all. I just fermented uh, three at the same time and uh, ended up going to Certix. And uh, my first official day was a, a Certix uh, Everything Local sale. Okay. So that, so that they, was quite fun. You worked there. So did you get like, yeah, sure, Alex, come on aboard. Yeah. Because um, I know sometimes it's hard to get into stores. So you make your first batch. You had to buy what, like the bottles? Or how did you know about like the food laws? And were you a cottage business? Or what kind of permitting did you have? Um, so I, what I decided to do, um, because I wanted to expand this um over the course of time, I just decided to get uh, licensed by the state of Minnesota. Yep. So I'm considered a wholesale manufacturer um, and distributor. So I have a prep kitchen that's a commissary space in South Minneapolis mm-hmm. called City Food Studio. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of great uh, different companies have come out of there. Um, there is Double Take Salsa. There is You Betcha Kimchi. Uh, Sift Gluten-Free Baking. Yep. Um, green Bee Juicery. Um, there's been a lot that have come out of that 
area. And um, Journey, who is the owner, has been more than amazing in not only kind of accommodating everybody there, but also taking a great interest in kind of each person there and what they do. And it's uh, it, it pushes you a little bit harder when you have that behind you. I would think, too, like, so that's a financial commitment. So right away, you're into some finances, right, yeah. on your credit card, I'm assuming, because you've got a rent space. You've probably got bottles. You uh, Did you hire someone to do your graphic design, or how did you come up with your packaging? Um, thankfully, my best friend is also a graphic designer. Nice. And him and I um, collaborated to come up with our design, and it's a custom mandalas pants pattern. Um, the reason being for that is sharab is the Arabic word meaning drink, and the words shrub and syrup derive their name from that word. And since I do it in a very traditional um, way of making the shrubs, I wanted to kind of hark back to where they came from. Yeah, because you don't heat your product at all, do you? The only time it gets heated is um, when it's getting bottled, and that's to do a quasi-pasteurization hot fill, sure. so that way they're shelf-stable. Yep. And how long will they last once they're opened? As long as they're kept uh, in a cool place or in the fridge indefinitely. Yeah. it's I, I noticed my shrubs seem to last forever. Yeah. Um, all right. So you, you're at your commercial kitchen. Do you think that that helped give you confidence about being in business versus like if you had started at home or at a farmer's market? Oh, for sure. You know, it's one of those things that when you're there, you see everybody around you, you know, just creating and making amazing products. And that just kind of almost makes you want to up your own ante and see what you're capable of. And it, just seeing all those people that are, you know, people that you might run into on the street who have their own side hustle. It's just kind of it's kind of cool. It feels like a lot of people have a side hustle these days. Yeah. And you we talked earlier before you sat down and you have other things that you do as your day job. Yep. Is that tell me about that balance, like how you obviously want to work in your business. Mm -hmm. But when like, can you envision the day that you get to the point where you don't have to have a side hustle? Uh, yeah, I think that um, hopefully within the next year to year and a half that uh, the shrubs are going to be the, the main source of income in, in my career. Um, it's just kind of putting that small foundation in place because you don't want to overextend yourself. Right. Um, and with it being in the Twin Cities market, it is an amazing market and it is so diverse that it's a great stepping stone to see how you respond here kind of translates how you will respond in other larger markets. So you do have aspirations to take this more national. Yes. What other markets are you looking at? Um, Madison and Chicago are going to be probably the next two markets that I'll want to to extend to. And is it hard to get into those markets? Do you have to get a distributor or do you just start going to farmer's markets? What do you actually do? Um, for me, I just use my connections in the liquor industry and just my, my hustle, you know, just get out there and, and people buy like a case at a time. And yeah, I mean, for me, I, I'm, I choose where I want them to be because I want it to be a good fit for all the parties involved. So as far as restaurants and bars and liquor stores, if it's a place that I enjoy and I enjoy shopping or eating at, I would want my products in there. And I think that's why it's been such a good fit in so many places, because I think a lot of the purveyors of these different restaurants, bars and liquor stores see that it'll be a good fit and also see that um, I'm very passionate about what I bring to the table. Yeah. Is it hard to get them? Like, I don't know. It's hard. To, do you cold call? 
Do you go and knock on the door? How do you get them first interested? Kind of 50-50. A lot of it is just networking um, with people that I know and or current accounts that I have. I have a lot of people that'll be like, hey, I just talked to so-and-so and I think that they'd be a great fit for what you do. And so a lot of it is, you know, just by word of mouth and networking. And then there are some spots that I'm like, you know what? I think this would be a really good fit and I will just go cold call, so to speak. Yeah. And, you know, um, do you give them then product to try mm-hmm. and say, and let me know if you want to order some or. Yep. I just, I give them some product and uh, touch base with them in a few weeks. You know, just generally speaking, a lot of these places I already frequent as far as drinking or eating. So <laughs> it's, um, it, 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 that kind of helps the matter because they're like, oh, it's not just somebody who's just trying to peddle product it's somebody who enjoys our products currently and thinks that it would be a good fit i wonder though if that'll be harder once you head into like the madison market or the chicago market because it won't be like oh we know this guy alex it'll be more that the product will have to stand on its own yes and no i i do have quite a few connections in the chicago area as well as the madison area so hopefully using those and then kind of extending out and honestly being with certix and uh, certic flights in the airport has been amazing because i've been able to utilize connections with people that i meet from all across the u.s yeah i bet i bet that is a really unique spot in that you're in the airport 24 mm-hmm. 7 so it's People, you see the same people flying out that yep. are flying um, out of ter- Terminal 2, but also you're getting exposure to all the people flying in. And Certix is a really unique spot there. It's kind of different than a lot of what the other things are that are happening out there. It's, you know, kind of our little slice of sanity in Terminal yeah, 2. Yeah, I wish it was still in Terminal 1 personally. You but, and me both. Um, tell me about... Uh, are there other products that you admire? Like, are there other gins or vodkas or things that you think pair particularly well with your product or just people that you think, wow, they really are doing a great job? Uh, one of the people that always seems to come to mind is uh, Lee from Dashfire. Uh-huh. That man is just a wealth of knowledge. And every time I see him, he just imparts so much just amazing knowledge onto me as well as helping say, Hey, you've been doing this. Have you thought of doing this? And just always trying to help set me up for the next few steps. I need to podcast with him because you're not the first person that has brought him up as someone that's very inspiring. Yes. A good mentor. Um, I think who was it that was just talking about him? I think it was, um, the guys at Abel Seed Brewing. Yeah. Cause they may have a collaboration going with him and they were just talking about like, have you talked to this guy? He's so great. I don't know how he does it. Like, the amount of things that he does in his life, when you just kind of step back and look at things, you're like, wow. Yeah. That, that, is, that is a passionate man about every aspect of his life. Do you like being an entrepreneur? Do you see yourself staying in this vein? Yeah. Um, I kind of blame my father for that aspect. Uh, he started quite a few companies and is also a financial advisor. So I feel like having that drive and just seeing uh, him work really hard for everything that he's Uh, achieved has kind of pushed me towards that end of the spectrum. Yep. What's the hardest part about your business and what you're doing right now? Uh, The accounting. Yeah. (laughs) So like the QuickBooks and the QuickBooks, the accounting, the taxes. I, um, I like to move around and do things and be creative and sometimes just sitting down for a few hours a day to, uh, to knock that out can be uh, easier said than done. Yeah. And maybe at some point you'll be able to hire someone to help you with that. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think that a lot of people that are creative and this is maybe like, I don't know, um, what's the word I'm looking for? 
stereotypical, but a lot of people that are creative sometimes aren't great at financing and vice versa. So I think learning what it is that you're good at and what you're not and knowing when you need to take that step to get help and the things you're not good at is really hard, but important. Exactly. And it's, it's like anything, you know, if you need to play to your strengths, when I go out for a drink, you know, if I go to a dive bar, I'm going to order a beer. I'm not going to ask for a, a corpse survivor. You got to play to right. the strengths of who you are and where you go. And if you kind of know your limitations, don't try to circumvent that by just saying, no, I can do that. You know what? Reach out for help because in the long run, it's it's going to pay off for I'm, you. I think, too, so many people will help you. Yeah. Like there's so many makers that will just like, oh, yeah, let's have coffee. I'd be happy to help you because I think they think about paying it forward. Exactly. And by the way, I'm so glad you're not ordering a corpse reviver at a bar, but like. Are, what is a corpse reviver? I've heard of the drink, but do people actually order that? Um, it's like are ordering a Harvey Wallbanger. Well, a corpse reviver. Um, is it chartreuse? It is an absinthe rinse with gin, lemon, Cointreau, and Lillet Blanc. Oh, I'd probably and, like it. And it is it is really <laughs> nice. Um, the corpse reviver number two, there's a few variations, but the number two is generally the one that is most well known. And um, whenever I would go to Tattersall, um, they, uh, for the first uh, year or so, had that on the menu. And that would always be my, my first drink that I would order from the guys there. Yeah, and that sounds delicious. You know, it would be good. Have you had their bootlegger vodka yet? I did just pick up a bottle and I have not opened it yet. I do need to play around with that a little bit. I can see your strawberry kind of being a nice flavor profile with that. A little fresh mint and some muddled strawberries in there. And I think uh, we just need mother nature to cooperate with that drink. Oh, I know because it's just been so chilly and all the outdoor bars and patios that are just waiting. And hopefully it's Memorial Day weekend coming up. We're going to release this podcast the Tuesday following, but um, hopefully we'll get some good weather over the weekend. I hope so, because I I feel like uh, the state of Minnesota... There, we're like a bunch of us uh, sprinters. We're just waiting at the gate. And as soon as we get that first 80 degree day, you are just going to see just people out and about. 100%, Alex. 100%. I feel like, yeah, the doors are just going to bust open and people will be just like running down the street yeah. <laughs> in their shorts, tank tops, and flip flops. Like, yes, it's here. Just pale arms and legs abound. Totally. Totally. <laughs> All right. Well, I really appreciate you coming in today. Um, Thanks for being on the Makers of Minnesota. And I look forward to, so you've got the seasonal plum with honey. Mm -hmm. Do you always do a seasonal and where there'll be a different one for the fall? Um, What I'm thinking about doing is for next uh, spring is releasing a peach sage. Oh, and I I think that'll go really, really nicely with not only things like bourbons and cognacs, but also vodkas and gins and, uh, kind of as a faux Bellini with sparkling wine. Yum. I'm really going to look for that. And I'm also going to be pushing myself to experiment more with the shrubs that I have to do some vinaigrettes and something a little interesting, just cooking wise. And I'll share that if I, uh, get inspired and make something good. Oh, we would love that. All right. Thanks, Alex. Oh, you're welcome. (laughs) 